This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. The second word you find there in verse number 14 is an important word, continue. And this is the admonition, the exhortation, uh, the desire that the Apostle Paul had for Timothy. Timothy, uh, he viewed as a son. And when he called him a son, he used the term uh, that referred to him as his own dear son. Now, Timothy was not the son, biologically, of the Apostle Paul, but he was a spiritual son. He was a true spiritual descendant, and he was a son in the ministry. And there was a great bond, there was a great affection and a great love that the Apostle Paul had for Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we really see Paul's farewell uh, address and his concern uh, for Timothy as he is the pastor of the church at Ephesus at that time. And Paul's concern as he is about to be executed uh, by the Roman government is that there would be men who would carry on uh, to be faithful to God and God's Word that there would be people, a generation to carry on who would preach that uh, truth and and stand for that truth and hold to that truth. And so this is the desire of the Apostle Paul. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. And so may God help us as a church to continue and to be involved in the ministry of of continuation, the continuation of the truth, continuing to proclaim it, continuing uh, to protect it, continuing to hold to it. Now, this past Sunday, uh, as a church family, we talked a little bit about uh, our future and how we believe the Lord may be leading us, and we made some, some settled decisions about that in the meeting on Sunday evening. And uh, one of those decisions was to purchase those two buses. And uh, if you did not get an opportunity to see one of those on Sunday or see it on Sunday, we only have one on the property, then uh, we invite you to do that this evening. And as you look at the bus, I don't want you just to look at the seats or the air conditioning system, which we're all very grateful for, Uh, or the beauty of it. I think it's a really classy-looking bus. I like the white. Do you like the white? I think it's sharp. The black trim, and uh, I think we ought to put flames on it and go to Hickory Speedway, right? But it's a sharp-looking vehicle. It's a quality-built vehicle, and we're thankful for that. But we're not just purchasing a vehicle. There's a purpose behind it. And so when you walk through that bus, imagine those seats filled with young people and children who are hearing the truth of God's Word. 
when you walk through this auditorium, uh, think about these seats being filled in 10 years and who will occupy them. Or in 20 years, who will occupy them? Or in 30 years, who will occupy them? The sad truth and the sad reality is, as we were reminded today, Mr. Winstead and I, when we went to the bank, and I don't normally get the privilege of going to the bank with Mr. Winstead, but I had to sign some paperwork today for the continuation of our line of credit. And uh, the uh, loan officer came in to greet us, and he said, I, I've seen your financial statement. It's very encouraging numbers. And he has seen how God has supplied for us over recent years. And he said, let me tell you, that is not what we normally see today in, with churches. He said, usually what we see are numbers going down. We don't see numbers going up. And I, want, you know, I was reminded again of the privilege that I have to be a part of a church where God is at work and where God is advancing and where his people are obeying him and walking in faith. That was a blessing to me. And I know it was a blessing to Mr. Winstead. And, and um, I rejoiced in that. I, I'm not rejoicing in the fact that other, others are struggling. Not at all. But the sad truth is we live in a day where many churches are in decline, right? Attendance is declining. Uh, salvations, professions of faith, the Southern Baptist Convention... Uh, just recently met, their, their professions of faith are in decline, and uh, their baptisms are in decline, their membership is in decline, and I, I would say that holds true uh, to independent Baptists as well. And churches are aging, and what is missing in many churches are young people. And uh, when I came here to be the pastor, uh, before I was considered to be the pastor, just in the early talks when I met with the pulpit committee, uh, one of the men uh, strongly emphasized that we need to reach young families. That's why you hear me emphasize the nursery and nursery workers. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to say you want to reach young families. It's another thing to, to put some skin in the game. And so to, to where the rubber meets the road. And, uh, and so... I remember that meeting, and, and I, I expressed to them that that certainly was my desire. And uh, the Lord has blessed us there, and God has been good to us. And, and we have a ministry of our Christian school, which is a vital ministry of this church. And I think it's important that we, we, we acknowledge that, we understand that. The school is not a separate entity from Tabernacle Baptist Church. Tabernacle Christian School is a ministry of Tabernacle Baptist Church. Our Conquer Kids program, which is a, an after-school program and a summer camp program, uh, is a ministry of Tabernacle Baptist Church. Uh, there's a young man who is here this summer, and he is from West Virginia. And uh, his mother died from a drug overdose. And he's now living with his grandmother uh, up in Gamewell between Morganton and Lenore. His aunt has a job in Hickory, and she brings her child and this nephew to our 
after-school program. In the after-school program, we have people who work and people who teach the truth of God's Word. We didn't start a program just because we were bored during the summer. We started the program to influence children and young people. And this eighth grade boy heard the message of the gospel, fell under conviction, realized he needed the Lord, and acknowledged in an invitation that he needed to know the Lord. One of our young men who is working here, helping us this summer, uh, who graduated from our school, saw that, took that young man aside, brought him into the auditorium, and led him to the Lord. And I had the privilege to come through and witness the, the tail end of that meeting and to meet this boy and speak with him. Now, let me tell you, you think about that boy. Eighth grade, his mother died from a drug overdose. His father is in a prison, if I got it right, or is in a difficult situation. He has nobody. He has to come to North Carolina to live with his grandmother. And he ends up, not by accident, but by the sovereign hand of God in this church, hearing the, minister, uh, hearing the message of the gospel, and he responds and he's saved. Can I tell you, it's worth every penny that we ever invested. Last week, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Your labor in the Lord, or your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Many, many days you feel like it is. <laughs> and that's where the devil and the flesh trip us up, with our feelings. But we put faith in what God said. And here's a young man that came to know the Lord Jesus. And that was wonderful. But you know what was even better? Is that the young man who led him to the Lord said this to the young man he led to Christ. He said, this is the reason Pastor Hooks wanted to start this program. is so people could hear the gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've never sat that young man down and told him that. Not in a personal conversation. So that means somewhere along the line, he's been listening. And let me tell you, that encouraged my heart. That greatly encouraged me. And I hope it encourages you. Because we are engaged in the work of God through the efforts of the Tabernacle Baptist Church, our Sunday school, our bus ministry, our uh, Christian school, our after-school program, our Conqueror Club program, summer camp. And, and, and we're, we're able to engage kids who, who, who have no opportunity to attend a Christian school. They attend public schools, many of them. We're able to pick them up at the public school, bring them here. We have them a few hours in the afternoons, and we can influence their lives and get, get the truth of God's Word into their hearts. Now, because we're engaged in that, because we're consciously making efforts to reach children and families, then we can have hope that our church is not just going to be a relic. It's not just going to be a museum of memories past. Thank God for memories past. But thank God for a hopeful future. You see, uh, the Lord's desire is that we continue. Now, in that continuation, 
We are handing the baton off to the next generation. And I, I remember as a young man with a lot of zeal and a lot of desire, and now in a blink of an eye, I'm 50, nearly 51 years old. I can't believe it. And um, I, I'm thinking about the handoff now. Now, I'm not planning to retire. It's not that. But I also know as quickly as 20 years go by, you know, we've got to work at training leaders and reaching young families and reaching children and, and seeing the work of God continue. Now, I want you to know it's not going to be an easy task. I was talking with a lady recently, and uh, I was telling her about some things that are happening uh, here in our ministry. She's acquainted with our ministry. She was asking me about our ministry, and she got all stirred up. And she said, I pray for your school. I pray for your church, and I want it to go well because, Pastor, I don't know if you're aware, <laughs> but the world's getting really hostile toward Christians. I said, go on. Tell me more. And these kids, it's not easy for them anymore. And, and they're being pulled in so many different directions. And they are, are they not? And they're being told so many lies. And she just went on and preached a great sermon. I said, amen, got under conviction, and went to the altar. It was a great message. We're engaged in the work of God. And we praise the Lord for His goodness and His blessings. Uh, we made another, some other decisions on Sunday evening about trying to develop a plan for our ministry and, and uh, making some updates and, and uh, doing some things that need to be done. And we're praying for God to direct us there. And I praise the Lord again for the faith of our church. But let me tell you what it's all about. It's not about buses and buildings. It's about people. It's about souls. It's about what takes place on a bus and what takes place in a building. But you have to have a bus and you have to have a building before it can happen. And so I'm grateful that we're investing as a church, not just in buildings and buses, but in people, in souls for all eternity. And as I was reminded just yesterday, when that young man put his faith and trust in Christ, that this is what we're here for. This is what we're here to do. And I praise God that he is working in our church. Now, Paul's, Paul's concern here is that Timothy continues, that the next generation gets it and that they continue. Now, I, I want you to note some things in this passage. Uh, first of all, I want you to notice the time. The time. You look in verse number 1. This know also that in the last days... What's the next word? What is it? Perilous. That means dangerous. Dangerous times sh shall come. In the last days, we're living in the last days, perilous times, dangerous times shall come. Now, what characterizes the danger? For men shall be, what's the next word? Lovers of their own selves. Now, how is that reflected? We see it in their covetousness, in their boastfulness. They're proud. They're blasphemers. They're disobedient to parents. They're unthankful. They're unholy. They're without natural affection. 
When a woman boasts about putting her uh, unborn child to death, and that's paraded on the television for all to see, that's without natural affection. When uh, men leave the natural use of the women, Paul said in Romans 1, that's without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, means no control, fierce, angry, mean, harsh, despisers of those that are good. Do you see that happening today? Traitors, heady, high-minded. What's the next word? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So here we see the time. It's dangerous. And what characterizes it is that it's a time of selfish devotion. It's a time when people love themselves. When people love themselves. Men should be lovers of their own selves. In verse 4, they should be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. It's a time of selfish devotion. It's all about me and what I can get. That's why you have politicians uh, today uh, selling messages like, we're going we're gonna to forgive all of your debts if you're a college student. We're going to forgive all of your student debt. Well, there's no uh, reasonable way that can be done. And it's an unjust thing to do. And, 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 and they can't pay for these programs that they, are, uh, that they are offering to the public. But here's the reason they're offering them, because they love themselves. And they know the voters love themselves. And if they'll give the voters what the voters perceive that they need, then they'll get the vote and they'll get in power. And our, our, unfortunately, our country is filled with people who love themselves above God, who love themselves above our nation. It's a time of selfish devotion. It's a time of sinister deception. Look in verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. In other words, we have to understand that there is a, there's a movement afoot, a deceptive movement afoot. The Bible says that in the last times, the deception would be so strong that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. That's a pretty strong deception, is it not? And so uh, we live in days of sinister deception. Verse 6, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive uh, silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That characterizes our generation, doesn't it? Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. There is an active work of the devil to blind people, to cause them to resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, meaning they have no ability to reason. You cannot reason with them. Have you noticed in all of the public discourse that there are people who take unreasonable positions? and they cannot be reasoned with is because they've been given over to a reprobate mind. You cannot reason with them. And they're reprobate, he says, concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. 
So it's, a, it's, a, it's the time that, that Paul is writing to Timothy about. It is a dangerous time characterized by selfish devotion and sinister deception. Then he gives the second point, and that is the teachers. The teachers. Verse 10, look at it with me. <clears throat> You're going to be living in this time, he says. And the burden of his heart is that Timothy continue, right? And so he says, in the midst of this time, verse number 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. Manner of life, that's the way I conduct myself. Purpose, that's what, I, that's what causes me, that's what keeps me ticking, my purpose. Faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. Why is Timothy, why is Paul speaking to Timothy about persecutions and afflictions? Because Timothy is going to be called on to endure persecutions and afflictions. If you're going to follow the Lord Jesus, you're going to endure persecution and affliction. And we see it happening more so today than any other time in our nation. And I, I haven't seen physical suffering and persecution uh, although in this mob mentality of the day, that could very easily happen, could it not? But we do see a reproach that is cast upon those who would follow Jesus. And sometimes that persecution could almost be more effective than physical persecution because everybody uh, wants to live peaceably. Nobody wants to, to, to be called out. Nobody likes to be uh, uh, reproached or ridiculed. Uh, for any reason, but if we're going to take a stand for the truth of God's Word, we've got to be willing to take the ridicule. We've got to be willing to take it. We, we've got to be willing to endure it. Now think about what Paul endured. He said at Lystra, do you know what happened to him at Lystra? He was stoned. They left him for dead. In other words, he looked like he was dead. They thought he was dead. They were sure he was dead, but he wasn't dead. So he was very near death, and God raised him up. Paul endured that. And if you read uh, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, it may be 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul lists all the persecutions that he endured, uh, it's, it's a challenging list. You know, when we want to quit because we got our feelings hurt, we ought to read that chapter. Or when we quit because somebody didn't speak to us at church, we ought to read that chapter. Because Paul kept going, didn't he? He endured. He endured. Now, Paul said, you, you know this. You, you know me. You know this about me. You know what I teach. You know the way I live. You, you know what I've endured. Verse 12, yea, and all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, I think that's a very important statement, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, who did he learn them from? Well, look in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Would you turn there with me? 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1 and verse 5. I think it's important for us to note who he learned the truth from. Because he draws a connection 
from the truth uh, to the person who taught him the truth. Now, we see it in 2 Timothy 1 and 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is, the, the faith that is pure, the faith that is not false, not put on, not hypocritical. When I, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So here's his mother and his grandmother. What a great influence they had on this boy, Timothy. What a great influence. Think about Moses' mother. Just had a few short years with him, nursing him, taking care of him, changing his diapers, taking care of him when he was sick, uh, comforting him. And, and what do you think she was singing to him? It, it wasn't the latest thing on the charts, let me tell you. It wasn't Egypt's top 20. It was uh, songs like Jesus Loves the Little Children. And songs like Victory in Jesus. How great the Father's love for me. She's singing songs and she was putting everything she could into the heart of little baby Moses, little toddler Moses, so that one day when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, right? Where'd that come from? Well, that came from within. What put it there? His mother. What put it into Timothy? His mother, his grandmother. You see, there is a vital, vital connection in the truth that our children get and the people who teach it. The relationship is extremely important. The relationship. As a father to his son or a mother to her daughter, that relationship gives you opportunity to teach your children the truths of God's Word. That's why God said to Moses, when the people are going to be taught the law, they need to hear it at home. They need to hear it at home. That's a challenge for us all, is it not? Especially those of us, our children go to a Christian school. You know, we sort of feel like, well, the Christian school is going to tell them. And they're going to hear it at Sunday school. And they're going to hear it at church. But they need to hear from us. And by the way, what they hear from us is only as uh, meaningful to them as what they see in us. If they hear one thing and see another, they're not interested in what they have to hear from us. And they see, don't they? Don't they see everything? Oh, they see everything. They see. And you see, someone said to me not, not too long ago, well, we, we were hoping that the Christian school could help our child with this situation. And I thought, well, I hope that we did. But you can't put your hope in the Christian school if you're not willing to live it and teach it at your house. Now, Paul said, Timothy, remember who taught you. Remember what you've learned, knowing of whom thou hast. Because we're sending a double message. 
And so Paul said, wait a minute, when you look at your mother and you look at your grandmother, you know they're the real deal. And he said, you've seen me, and I'll let what my life has to say speak for itself. That's what Paul is saying. You see, the relationship is important. The relationship. Not only his mother, but his mentor. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. we got a relationship, Timothy. I've been with you. You've been with me in tough days. You've seen victories. You've seen people come to Christ. You've seen churches established. You've seen God do great things. But you've also seen some very difficult days. And you you and I have a relationship, a relationship. That is so important. Do you know when people come to our church, they don't come because of our choir. I like our choir, don't you? I think we've got a good choir. But they don't come and say, wow, that choir sounds great. I'm going to join this church. Now, they might think to some degree that the choir's good and they like the music, and but they're not coming for that. Do you know when people join the church... I, I can't imagine that any of them would join the church because, wow, the preacher is just, man, he's good. In fact, I can't imagine anybody saying that. Can you? Don't say amen right there. <clears throat> I just appreciate his stand for the truth, and I just appreciate his position on, on the doctrines of the faith. Now, I'm sure there are people who do appreciate our stand for the truth and the doctrines of the faith. But if we're reaching lost people, they're not coming in here looking for a certain brand. You understand what I'm saying? If we're going to reach lost people, what what God is going to use is our relationships to them. We need fellowship one with another, don't we? Beyond the surface, how you doing, brother? Good to see you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We need, we need vital connections and relationships one with another. And that can be difficult in a busy day, right? In a busy time. And we need, to, we need to be involved in one another's lives. We need to be here for one another. We need to allow uh, people to see us going through difficulties. Now, here's the great thing about, about our church is that we have a diverse group of people. Diverse in age. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, some churches, they want to reach all young people. Well, you've got to have older people, too, because that populates the world, right? And if we're going to be reaching the world, we're going to reach all people. And the aged men teach the younger men, and the aged women teach the younger women. That's what the Bible teaches. You see, we all have something to offer. And we need one another, and we're to have fellowship one with another, and we're to teach one another. The Bible says exhorting one another. When we come to church, Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, 10 rather, when we come to church, we exhort one another, and so much the more. You know, your presence here exhorts other people. Watching you go through difficulties and seeing your faith in the Lord exhorts other people. Your presence in the ministries and serving and being in your place It exhorts other people, and we provoke one another to love and good works. It's not just a preacher up here provoking you. It is us in our place 
provoking one another. The teachers. And Paul said, hey, the times are difficult. Remember what you've been taught and remember who your teachers have been. And that's, that's very significant because our children are going to one day perhaps walk into a classroom or into an office or to a social setting and they're going to be confronted by people who deny everything we've ever taught them. And in that moment, they're going to have to make a decision. Who has the most weight in their statements? Mom and dad? The pastor? The youth director? Brother so-and-so? Or this Johnny come lately, who cares nothing about me, who hates God, and wants to subvert my faith in Christ. They're going to be confronted with that. In this world, may God help us. Now, here's the last thing, the truth. The truth. Paul reminds Timothy that not only is he going to be living in difficult times, but he's got teachers. And those teachers have given him something that is very valuable. That's the truth. Now, look how valuable it is. Verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's got. He's got the holy scriptures. Holy means separate, set apart, sanctified. This book, this Bible that you have in your hand, it comes from God, not from man. If it came from man, it's not holy. It's only holy because it comes from God. God breathed it. God inspired it. And God preserved it. And God has delivered it to us in this generation. The Word of God will endure forever. We praise God that we have the Word. Now notice verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the Holy Scriptures, the truth, we have the truth. Now this is a powerful truth. It's a powerful truth. The Bible says in verse uh, 15, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. We understand that God breathed the Scriptures. He moved upon holy men of God, and they wrote as God moved them. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the Word of God is quick. The word quick just simply means life-giving. Okay? The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God can penetrate the hard hearts of men. The, the Word of God can, can penetrate into our, into our hearts and minds beyond the level that we're even aware of and reveal to us 
thoughts and intents that are in our heart, motives that we have that maybe we think are okay, maybe we think are good, but they're not. And God confronts us by the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He, he, he dissects us and He reveals to us what's really in us. And when we see what's really in us, we say as Job did, woe is me. We find out who we are. And when we find out who we are and we see God for who He is, we allow God to speak to us and, and clean us up. You see, this is a powerful, powerful truth that we have. And this powerful truth not only dissects us and reveals to us our sinfulness, but it gives life to us. We're begotten by the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What brought you to Jesus? It was the message of the gospel. What brought that young man to Jesus? It was the message of God's Word. What helped him to understand how he could be saved and how he could call on the name of the Lord to be saved? It's the Word of God. And it is a powerful truth. That's why we don't need to be ashamed of it. Paul said, I'm coming to Rome and I'm coming not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, sometimes when we talk to people about the Lord, we're almost apologizing, aren't we? Paul said in Second in First Thessalonians chapter two, he said, "My entrance into you was not in vain." He said, "I came with boldness, not boldness in himself, but boldness in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ." Why? He's confident in it because he knows it is the thing that people need. We simply need to give the message of the gospel. It is a powerful, life-changing, soul-saving truth. Not only that, it's a profitable truth. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, what's the next word? Profitable. Everybody likes profit, right? Are you in business? What are you looking to be? Profitable. You want something that's going to make a profit. God tells us his word is, what's the word? Profitable. That means it's good for you. Now, look, there are a lot of things out here that call, our, uh, just, you know, call for our time and attention, right? And, and, and so many of us give our time and attention to those things. But at the end of those pursuits, maybe an hour into it, maybe two hours into it, maybe a whole evening into it, we recognize that it is not profitable. It's not profitable. It's not good for me. In fact, it's, it, and oftentimes it, it's the opposite. It, it, it sucks the spiritual life out of me. It takes away from my communion with God. But if I get in the Word of God, it's profitable. Now it's profitable for doctrine. I'll know what I believe. <clears throat> we have a generation of people who today... They don't know what they believe. They, they might say, well, I believe, in the, I believe in the Bible's the Word of God, but they couldn't tell you much about what's in it. We need to know what's in it, don't we? You young people need to know what's in it. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And it's not good enough to say, well, my pastor said so. 
Because if, if all you can say is my pastor said so, then somebody can talk you out of that, right? It's profitable for doctrine, knowing what we believe and why we believe it. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable to tell me where I'm wrong. Wait a minute, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. You know, it's like a kid gets corrected in, in school, and this is what they go home. I got in trouble. I got in trouble. Well, there's a difference in getting in trouble and being reproved. You were doing something wrong, and you're being told that it was wrong. Now, we can't make a correction unless we know where we're wrong, right? God confronts us with reproof. All oh, the Bible in the book of the Proverbs gives us a lot of thoughts about reproof and how we need reproof. And we have to humble ourselves to receive it, right? Correction. Not only does the Word of God reprove me, tell me where I'm wrong, but it corrects me, tells me how to get it right. Don't you like to know that? When I, when I was in, uh, oh, when I was uh, playing uh, in the grasshoppers and the grass cutters and the peewees and the midgets, playing football, I got reproved a whole lot. I got reproved. I ran laps around the field. I got reproved. I, I remember one time a play was over, and I ran into the back of the opposing team, uh, one of the players, and I got a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct, and, man, did I get reproved. And then I got corrected. The coach said, okay, you don't do that again. Here's what you do when the whistle blows. You stop. Or, hey, you weren't in the right position. I remember uh, one day uh, when I was on the peewees, uh, they, they, the coach had us over, and he had filmed it. Now, listen, this was before cell phones, right, and before, uh, before those uh, VCRs and all that jazz. This was back in the day, and our coach took it real serious. He filmed the game, and uh, he had put me in at linebacker, and he says, he says, Hooks, we spent all, all practice trying to tell you where to go. Then you get out here in the game. And he said it in front of the whole team. We're all in his living room. We're all watching the video. And he just went on about Hooks not being in position and how much time he had worked with me and how I was out of position. And we lost the game because Hooks wasn't in his spot. Well, let me tell you what Hooks did. He got in his spot next time, right? The light started coming on. Reproof and correction. We need to be able to receive correction. And you know, that doesn't just come from mom and dad. Sometimes it comes from other people. I'm amazed at how many parents get aggravated when their kids get corrected. Now, it ought to always be done in the right spirit, but it ought to be done. That's a good place for somebody to say amen. Thank you. I'll give you a dollar after the service. Instruction in righteousness. Not just where I'm wrong, not just how to make it right, but how to stay right. Instruction in righteousness. How am I going to live my life? Oh, my boys, they, they like to poke at me sometimes when their friends are over. They, they call it lessons for life because I'll set them down around the table and we'll just talk about different things. It could be a, a number of things. and it's, li it's life lessons. And they've, you know, I can almost hear the music play and a little announcer come on. Life lessons with Pastor Hooks. But listen, we need life lessons, don't we? And how are they going to get it? They're only going to get it from you as you tell them. Speak of them when you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you go by the way. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Hey, it's a profitable truth. Here's the last thing. It's a perfecting truth. That the man of God may be, what's the next word? Perfect, perfect. 
You know anybody that's perfect? I don't. Just Jesus. But everything I need to complete me and mature me. That's what that word means. God has given me. Notice how he, he, he comments on it to explain what he means. Throughly furnished unto all good works. Everything I need is in the Bible. Everything to help me be a better employee, a better husband, a better dad, a better Christian, a better man. God's given me in his word. God's given me by his spirit. I'm not lacking anything. I am perfect. I can be made perfect through him. And so, hey, Timothy, continue. Because you're living in a time where it's not going to be easy to do so. Continue because you've had people who love you, who you've watched their lives, and they've taught you the third thing, the truth. You have the truth, and therefore continue. Now, as a church, what we're involved in is helping the next generation continue. You remember what I said the other day about Hezekiah? Peace and truth in my days. Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken to me, peace and truth in my days. But it wasn't going to be peace and truth in his son's days, was it? It wasn't going to be peace and truth in the days of his son's sons. And aren't we concerned about our sons and our son's sons? The world they're living in? And don't we want them to have a church? Don't we want them to have the truth? Don't we want them to know the blessings that we have experienced? And if so, we will continue to invest in the next generation because we want them to continue. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.